Hey, New Life Church, next Sunday will be an, a, a moment in history for our church. Next Sunday, we're going to receive a legacy offering, and it's our hope, it's our prayer, it is our belief that we're going to be debt-free here at New Life North. And because of that, we're gonna be able to do ministry not only in our city, but around the world. So next Sunday, would you come with a joyful heart, an expectant heart? Would you pray this week and simply ask the Lord what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to give as a part of the legacy offering? It's going to be a joyful Sunday, a powerful Sunday. So come next Sunday, ready to give to the legacy offering. I'm so thankful you're a generous church and I cannot wait to celebrate with you all that God's going to do because of this offering. I'll see you on Sunday. All right, good morning, New Life Church. Great to see you today. Everybody feeling all right? My name's Glenn Packy. I'm thrilled to be with you. Pastor Brady sends his greetings from Victory Church in Oklahoma City, where he's preaching for Pastor John Chastine, who I think spoke here a few weeks ago. Listen, I'm not sure if you caught uh, all that was going on in that video from Pastor Brady, but we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. The Lord spoke through our elders late last year about making this the year to eliminate the, the debt on the North Campus here. And that's a big uh, sort of endeavor. That's a scary sort of endeavor. But I was in a meeting, I was in a meeting, several, several of you were there as well earlier this week, where Pastor Brady said, he said, you know, I think this is what the Lord is up to with this legacy offering, is it's not really just about eliminating debt on this campus, it's about new life functioning at full strength. And I thought that, that's, the, that's a good word because 37 years, he said, when was the time that we functioned at full strength? But this is a moment, this is where we can see a goal in sight. And we can say, let's be unencumbered. Let's run the race freely. Let's be faithful to follow Jesus. It frees up a million dollars of resources that we can do more for our church, for our city, for the world. And even beyond the financial stuff, this is what happens when you give to God, is God himself multiplies it. And God himself does the stuff with our earthly resources that we could never do by ourselves, amen? So the first, there's gonna be a few of these, two of these legacy offerings, one's in December, but the first one is next Sunday, April 10th. It's Palm Sunday. I think it's a brilliant way to think about just as they laid down their branches to welcome the king, we can give of our resources, big or small, it doesn't matter, lay our, our resources down before the Lord and to say, God, we welcome you as the king into our church, into our city, into to our world. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Uh, also want to just say a, a follow-up on the album stuff. Yeah, J John is, you know, he's not a salesman, but he does believe in this stuff. And I've known John for 25 years. I've been at the church for 22 years. And I love this project. It released on, on Friday. I've been streaming it. I've been listening to it. It was absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of the team. Uh, Abby, Katie, Dee, Jen, John, Micah, Aaron, the, the whole crew. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing project. And at the recording night, were any of you there in the fall when we recorded it? You remember this? One of the things, yeah, it was quite a night. One of the things um, I, I felt impressed about that night was these songs, John said smooth stones, you know, David, but I had this image of memorial stones when Israel crossed the Jordan. And you think about the season we've come through. These songs are like 11 memorial stones that help us say God was faithful to us through all of that. But those stones were not just reminders of the past, they were also faith builders for the future. And that's what these songs are. They're faith builders for the future that God has before us, amen? So I, he forgot to mention this, but actually those physical square things with the round disc inside of it called a CD, they're out in the lobby for sale in the bookstore over on this side. So if you want uh, that, buy a bunch, to give them away, use them as coasters. No, no, don't do that. 
Um, Let's pray and then we're gonna open the scriptures together this morning. So Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you speak. We're asking now that as we open up the scriptures that you would open up our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our minds to see you, to hear you, to understand, to trust, to believe, to surrender. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. We're in a long series here at New Life called Who is God? And the first several weeks we talked about who is God the Father because Christians confess one God in three persons. And we've talked about the the characteristics of the Father. And then the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the Son, the second person of the Trinity. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Daniel talked about the incarnation. Why is it important uh, to believe that Jesus was fully God and fully man, not pretending to be either of those things? And last week, Pastor Brady talked about Jesus and his generosity and his uh, amazing uh, ability to take care of our needs and we trust him with a radical yes. And today, I want us to talk about Jesus as the healer. Jesus is the healer. Now maybe some of you, when you hear this, you're like, all right, let's go. You're revved up, you're already ready to hoop and holler. You're like, come on, Jesus is the healer. And then others of you, you feel kind of your neck get tight. Or maybe your stomach sink in knots. Because this is a difficult subject. It is exciting on the one hand, but it's also deflating because maybe you can think of moments where you've asked or you've prayed or you've believed for something that didn't quite happen. And so sometimes when the subject of healing comes up, it results in a bit of tension. Maybe there's even disagreements about it. A long time ago in the late 1990s, I have to remember that wasn't just like a couple years ago now, 25 years ago, I was a freshman at a wonderful school called Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the campus was launched out of the healing ministry of uh, Oral Roberts, and there's a gigantic sculpture of the praying hands on the campus, a, a school where there's a lot in the atmosphere about faith and expecting God to be on the move. And I came from Malaysia, and I grew up around watching pe- my parents pray for the sick in our living room, and I saw big things and small things and renewal movements and people sitting in chairs with their legs out trying to get one longer than the other or get them both even actually was the goal. And I saw all kinds of stuff. And, and, and so I believed in that. But I, early on my freshman year, I met this other student and he was from Singapore. And he started late at night, started in this argument with me about healing. And he started to kind of say that you know, healing always happens and if it doesn't happen, it's your fault for not having enough faith or having sin in your life. And I was trying to like talk with him and it was just getting more and more tense and he started to become more aggressive and he was saying, no, it always, you will always be healed unless there's sin or unless it's your fault. And, and it was getting late and I was, not, you know, I was not one of those freshmen that wanted to stay up past midnight. So I was like, dude, I've already had the Totino's pizza. Like I've already had the late night Walmart run. It's time to go to bed. And he's going on and on aggressively. And I was like, dude, if you don't get out of my room, you're gonna need to pray for healing. I'm just kidding, I was a scrawny kid, I couldn't have hurt anybody, you know, but that's what I felt. And so when we hear the subject of healing, we just, we wanna kinda ignore it. Ah, Glenn, do we have to deal with this? Isn't this like extra credit bonus material for, for the special Christians? The trouble is we can't ignore it when we talk about Jesus because the gospels, you can't read the gospels without finding stories of healing on every page. 
You can't, we can't ignore the subject that's not just peripheral, but maybe some of you are tempted to say, well, okay, okay, listen, it's in the Gospels because they're just there to prove that he was the son of God. Except that's not, that doesn't quite make sense because there were other people who did miracles. Elijah did miracles. Elisha did miracles, raised of someone from the dead even. And nobody went around saying, we think that's God incarnate. Nobody said that. So the miracles can't just be proofs. And then we're like, okay, well, well, whatever. You know, they're not, you know, peripheral and they're not proofs. Maybe they're just sort of random party tricks. Maybe the world is like a giant house and we live on the main level and there's a grumpy old man upstairs who owns the house and every once in a while he's like, kids be quiet or kids behave. But once in a while when he's a good mood, he'll, in a good mood, he'll come downstairs and do a party trick for the kids. And that's what we think healings are. Healings are just when the old man upstairs feels like in a good mood and he wants to entertain us and answer our prayers. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I've ever said it that way, but maybe you've thought of it that way. And this morning, I wonder if you could come with an open heart and an open mind to look at the scriptures afresh, to look at the Son of God afresh, and to ask ourselves, what does Jesus the healer say to us about who God is. And there's three things we're gonna say this morning. I'm gonna say three things about what healing is and how it reveals something about God. And under each of those three points, there's gonna be some subpoints, but don't worry, the big three points are numbered for all you note takers out there. John chapter 20 is where we'll start. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. I want you to note here that John refers to the miracles as signs. And that's an important word choice because signs point to something. Signs disclose something. Signs reveal where you are. Signs locate you. And John is saying these things that Jesus did, they disclosed his identity to the world. They pointed to God. They located us at the epicenter of God's kingdom arriving. And he says, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. If we were to translate that, that Jesus is the anointed chosen one, the son of God. And he's not simply talking about divinity in some kind of abstract way. He's saying, this is what God looks like. The son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. Paul would later talk about son of God as Jesus, as the image of the invisible God. And so the first thing we wanna say about healing is healing is a sign of what God is like. Healing is a sign of what God is like. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So if we're out here wondering, what is God like? We don't, we don't start with God and work our way down to Jesus. We start with Jesus and work our way up and say, oh, this is what God is like. And so if you're wondering here, well, well is God the kind of God that wants to put the world back together again? We look at Jesus and we say, yes, that is what God is like. And so our first story that we'll look at here in Luke is Luke 5 verse 12. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and he said, I am willing. And immediately the leprosy left him. We see a story like this and we're meant to see the very heart of God. We're meant to see that if healing is a sign of what God is like, then what we're, what we're noticing is that God is willing. God is willing, it is his nature to heal. 
It means when we pray, we're not asking God like my younger kids sometimes do. We're not asking for an exception like my younger kids are with me. Dad, just for an exception, can we have extra TV? Like, yeah. But sometimes we pray for healing like that. We're like, God, you've been so good. You've already done the whole dying on the cross thing and forgiveness and heaven. And this. But just please, can just, can just get an exception and just heal me this once. But that's not how Jesus, Jesus says, I'm willing. The, the leper approaches Jesus like, if you are willing. Jesus says, that's not a question. I'm willing. This is what God wants to do. God, from the very beginning, as soon as the world began fracturing, God began to work in his world to put it back together again. God has always wanted to heal. It's his nature. But there's another verse to this story. Verse 14, it says, Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'll just read past that last verse. It's like, well, that's great. The main event was the guy got healed and Jesus was willing and that's great, but you know. But here's what we're meant to see. Here's why this little extra bit is there in the story. In fact, this story of Jesus healing the leper is in three out of the four gospels and it's there on purpose. You see, in the first century Jewish world, a leper was not allowed to be part of the people of God. There was an extra special group of Jewish believers called the Essenes, and they separated themselves from the compromisers, and they were the holy group, and they were the ones who were pure, and you couldn't be part of the Essenes if you were a leper, or if you were blind, or if you were mute, or if you were deaf, or you had any kind of physical difficulty, because, uh, hey, if you're struggling, maybe it's because of sin in your life. Maybe it's because you've done something wrong. Maybe you don't deserve. And so a leper was not just dealing with leprosy. He was also dealing with social exclusion. He was kicked out of community. He couldn't worship. He couldn't be part of the community. And here's what Jesus does. Here's what I want you to notice. Is that God wants to heal on every level. God wants to heal on every level. That when we see healing in the gospels, it's not simply about the physical or the emotional or the spiritual. It's also about the social and the relational. God wants to put everything that's been fractured back together again. Now, can I make a little comment here on our cultural moment? Sometimes what we hear from the culture around us is, oh, just welcome everybody. Just be inclusive. Just everybody belongs. And the other voice we hear sometimes from the church that says, no, 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 only people who are whole, only people who don't have messiness in their story, only people who are not broken. And we don't know which is it, inclusive or exclusive. Can I say to you that this story in Luke 5 shows a Jesus who's more radical than both options? A Jesus who's so radical he actually confronts both options because he doesn't say to the leper, leprosy, shreprosy, just come on over here. Neither does he say, you've been healed, great, you don't need those people, go on your way. What Jesus is trying to do is more radical because it's not just the hospitality or the welcome, it's the healing. And it's not just the healing, it's the hospitality. We want to choose one or the other, but Jesus keeps trying to say, I'm putting everything back together. I will name what's broken in your life, and I will heal what's broken in your life, and I will put you back together with a family called the people of God." Be healed and belong. Both of those things. God wants to heal on every level. Luke 7, the next text 
that we're going to look at this morning says, when the man came to Jesus, they said, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask. And here's what's going on. John the Baptist, of course, spent so much of his life preparing the way for Jesus. So by the Jordan River, John the Baptist is full of faith. He's like, he's the one who's going to baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. But now we meet a different John the Baptist, a John who's discouraged, a John who's in prison. I mean, it's, there's, I find great comfort in knowing that you can be the same person in both modes, in both seasons, sometimes full of faith and fire and sometimes full of doubt and fear. And John's like, I, I don't even know what's going on anymore. He says, are you the one? I mean, I, I give my whole life to saying that you're the one. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. And so Jesus replied to the messengers, you go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. Tell John in his discouragement what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. John's asking, God, are you still on the scene? <laughs> Did you abandon your post, God? Like, I, well, there's a whole bunch of us that have given our life to following you. Are you still here? And Jesus says, tell John, I'm very much still here. Tell John, I'm still at work. Tell John, I'm still doing what I've always done. Finding broken stories and putting them back together again. The second thing we're going to see is that healing is a clue about how God is at work. It's not just a sign of who God is. It's actually a clue of how God is at work. And, and, and how is he at work? He's actually at work within his world, within it. This is why, you guys, I mean, I'm not a big, I don't want to make a big fuss about this, but that's why sometimes I'm not a huge fan of referring to things as the natural or the supernatural. Because even that word in, in our English language means there's the downstairs level and then there's the super upstairs level like Downton Abbey you know like all of us are just working the kitchen but then there's the upstairs posh people where life really you know and the natural world is just our world but the supernatural is where God is and once again that's where we get the old grumpy old man upstairs trying to read a book and take a nap while we're just hanging out on the natural world and we're like God please do something super do you know the Bible doesn't talk like that you know what the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. When Isaiah catches a glimpse in the temple in Isaiah 6, the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Not the whole earth gets a little bit of drippings and droppings and a little bit of leaks from the upstairs. No, no, no. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is at work. Healing is this clue that God is always working within his world. Now, some of you, you're, 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 you're um, scientifically inclined and you're like, I don't understand how this could be for God to be at work in his world because, because Glenn, you know, doesn't science give us a picture of a, a closed system and there's laws of nature and God can't be willy-nilly just going around breaking the laws of nature. Maybe you've heard the one about the world is like a clock and God was the clockmaker and why would God start messing with the clock? I mean, is he switching time around? Does he hate daylight savings? He does. He does hate daylight. That is true. That is, I can confirm. 
when I was doing my doctorate at Durham University in the UK, one of my supervisors is just one of those rare, brilliant dudes who's double PhD in systematic theology and astrophysics. I mean, just crazy smart guy, but gentle pastoral heart. And I followed his writings, and one of the things he said was he said, look, actually the way science understands our world is changing. There was this old view from Isaac Newton where the world was kind of a closed system and if God was going to act in it, he had to suspend the laws and, and, and almost like sort of hold up the gears of the clock. And he said, but now scientists are starting to talk about quantum physics where you look at the subatomic level and it's like, oh, the world is not as closed as we thought. And he says, what if God actually built space within his world for him to work within it? He goes, what if God created the room for him to push an electron here or there and actually alter events without breaking any quote-unquote laws of nature? God working within his world. This is why we don't have to be people who say, I'm a faith person, not a science person. No, you can be both because it's God's world. You can be both. And in fact, one of the ways God heals is through science and doctors and medical researchers and healthcare workers. I'm so grateful for that. In the summer of 2020, I started to get some serious problems with my vocal cords. It was hemorrhaging, developed into this polyp. It was kind of gross. I won't keep describing it. But it became obvious that, it, you know, that the home remedies of honey and tea and whatever wasn't going to work. And it became sort of concerning that surgery might be an option, but I'd heard sort of horror stories about surgery stuff. And I'll never forget, we had an elders meeting and we were meeting back here in one of the back rooms and I asked the elders to pray over me and Pastor Daniel was the first one to come and stand over me, put his hands on my shoulders and he just said to me, he said, Glenn, your voice will not be taken from you. I just start, I just start crying, I was like, yes, oh God. You know, and at that moment, that's a prayer of faith, that's a statement of faith. But in my mind, I also thought, amen, God, no surgery necessary. Hallelujah, amen, bind you, devil. I had my parents coming over, they're praying fervent prayers, like, yes, Lord, miracles. But it kept getting worse. It wasn't getting better. And finally, one day, I was sitting up in the office of a specialist, vocal specialist up in Denver, and I was waiting to see him. He had different instruments to evaluate, and I was like, look, please, let him just say, oh, this will be fine, vocal rest, you'll be okay. And I'm sitting in the waiting room, my dad's with me. Some of you, this scene, you know this scene in a very severe way. And I'm sitting in there, and, and I just one minute before I knew they were gonna call my name, I put my head in my, my face in my hands, and I said, okay, Lord, any, anything you wanna say before I go see the, the specialist? And I just, what I sensed was like, the calm smile of Jesus just looking at me like. And I sensed in my spirit the phrase, him saying to me, I'm with you. And I thought, doggone it, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, it's over, it's gone. Instead what I heard was, I'm with you, which we all know, there's gonna be a valley. And sure enough, I did, you know, go through, found a great uh, surgeon in Boston, wicked smart, he was fantastic, and it all went. But when we say that God is at work within his world, it means that he works with 
this stuff. Some of you that are here, you work in the medical field, you're medical professionals, thank you for working with God in his ministry of healing. You're working with God. It's not either or. But it also means this. Catch this in Luke 9, a couple chapters after Luke 7. Luke 9, verse 1, it says, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I love this. Two chapters earlier, John's like, are you the kingdom bringer? And Jesus is like, tell him I'm healing people. And now he's saying, now you go out and be kingdom bringers. When we say that healing is a clue about how God is at work in the world, this is what we're saying. We're saying not only is God at work within his world, but God sends us into the world to bring healing to broken places. God sends you, God sends us. In fact, I think that one of the ways to understand your calling as a dad, as a mom, as a husband, as a student, as a, a, a barista at Starbucks, as a, a, a builder, as a realtor, as a lawyer, as an accountant, as a teacher, as an investment broker, one of the ways to understand your calling is no matter what your job title is, you're all sent into the world as healers. You've been given the ministry of healing. Look, we don't have to look too hard to see that the world is wounded. The wounds of poverty, the wounds of racism, the wounds of violence. Just this morning, I read more reports of cold-blooded assassination in the streets of Ukraine, hospitals being bombed. We don't have to look far to figure out that the world is wounded. And the wisdom of the world, the best that the wisdom of the world can offer is a wound for a wound. Violence for more violence, hurt for more hurt, pain for more pain. And into that world, Jesus says, no, 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 no. There's another way to do this. There's another king and there's another kingdom. And I'm sending you into the world as carriers of the kingdom to bring healing to a wounded world. Healing to a wounded world. N.T. Wright, the New Testament theologian, this is a long quote, so bear with it, but I think, bear with me, but I think this is good. He says it this way. He says, we need Christian people to work as healers as healing judges and prison staff, as healing teachers and administrators, as healing shopkeepers and bankers, as healing musicians and artists, I'm believing this album will be part of the healing of the world around us. As healing writers and scientists, as healing diplomats and politicians, oh please God. We need people who will hold on to Christ firmly with one hand and reach out the other with wit and skill and cheerfulness, with compassion and sorrow and tenderness to the places where our world is in pain. We need people who will use all of their God-given skills to analyze where things have gone wrong. Some of you are wired that way to assess and analyze and locate the problems. That's part of bringing healing. Did you know that? Analyze where things have gone wrong and come to, the, to come to the place of pain and to hold over the wound the only medicine which will really heal, which is the love of Christ made incarnate once more, not only through the Son of God, the incarnate one, but through us, the body of Christ, and to hold over the wound the only medicine which will really heal, the love of Christ made incarnate once more, your smile and mine your tears and mine, your patient analysis and mine, your frustration and mine, your joy and mine. 
Friends, God has called you into your world with the ministry of healing. Where can you bring that? How could you be a, sign, a clue that God is still at work in the world? Okay, the, the third and last thing. And by the way, that's why in the lobby today with Serve Sunday, we're inviting you to serve, to use your gifts, not just because, oh, there's some practical things. There are practical things, but as you're hosting groups and serving for things and preparing an event, as you're giving in the legacy offering, all of what we're doing is taking our human efforts and saying, God, make this the ministry of healing today. Put it over the wound of the world around us. Matthew 4. It says, Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. He announced the good news of the kingdom and healed every disease and sickness among the people. You notice this morning that so many of these stories link healing with the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. You know what the kingdom is? The kingdom is when and where God is king. And every time we see healing, we're meant to see, oh, this is what it looks like for God to be king. What does it look like when God is king? Broken things get put back together. Dead things come back to life. Healing, the third and final thing we'll say this morning, healing is a promise of what God will do. Not only is it a sign of what God is like, not only is it a clue of how God is at work, but healing is actually a promise of what God will do. This is what it looks like. Listen, it means that we can look at the pain of our own lives and the pain of the world around us. And we don't have to say silly things like, well, maybe God's okay with that cancer. We can say healing is a promise of what God will do. And what God will do in the end is wipe away every tear, destroy every disease, and defeat death itself. How do we know? Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, then the end will come, and when he hands over, what's that word? The kingdom. When Jesus hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion and authority and power. For he must reign, Jesus must reign, until all his enemies are under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Paul's not trying to be cute with us about death. He's not trying to reappraise, reframe, use nicer words for death. He says, like, can we just say it? Death is an enemy. And this matters because every person that Jesus healed would still one day die. I mean, even poor Lazarus. I mean, dude, like, already faced death once. Jesus raised him up, and he's like, second time around, he's like, oh, this one's going to stick, isn't it? <laughs> but Christians know that even death is not the end. We can name death. It's an enemy of God, the God of life. It's an enemy of God, the creator. It's an enemy of God's good world. But in the end, Jesus will reign until even death itself is destroyed. Hope for the Christian is not an escape from death. It's not a lessening of our pain. It's the very defeat of death. It's the destruction of everything that destroys life and God's good creation. That's what God will do. And every time we experience healing, it's a promise that one day, this is what God will do finally. Revelation 21, as the worship team comes, says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. This is what I love about the hope that we have. There's a present order of things in which bodies break down. The earth revolts. But one day, God will make that old order of things disappear. And a new order is coming, the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And every time we experience healing here and now, we're remembering that, that, that that's, that's, that's the trailer, but the full movie's coming. That's the appetizer, but the feast will one day arrive. That's the little preview, but man, what God will one day do is better than you could ever imagine. God will bring a redemption so strong that all our tears will be no more. And that's why the question of healing is not actually a question of if, but a question of when. When we pray for healing, it's not actually a question of if, but when. That God's answer to our prayers for healing is not actually ever no. It's not yet. And even when we don't experience the foretaste, you still get the feast. I used to come home from school and help my mom in the kitchen and she's an amazing cook spices and I would help her grind up the stuff and make it all ready and sometimes I'd get the foretaste of what was coming for dinner that night. And I felt pretty lucky about that. But you know what? My sister who didn't help in the kitchen, who didn't get a foretaste, still got to eat dinner. I know we all want the foretaste of healing here and now. The good news is if this is who God is, it's a promise of what's coming for all of us who call on the name of the Lord. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. A friend of mine some years ago had a child that he was praying for, didn't make it. The child passed away and through tears of grief, services at the graveside. He said to me weeks later, he said, you know, I've come to realize that this gift was not really denied, but it has been delayed. I understand that some of you in the room, you've had your moments of praying and contending and asking and didn't see it. But what I'm asking you this morning is that you wouldn't give up faith in who God is. Every time we see these stories, it's a sign of what God is like. It's a clue of how God is at work and it's a promise of what God will do. Will you stand with me? Maybe there's some of you here this morning and there's healing that you need in a pretty obvious way. Maybe there's healing that you need in your body. Maybe there's healing that you need in your mental or emotional health. And again, just as God works with doctors, he works with counselors and therapists. Today we're gonna to pray in addition to all of that. So maybe you're here and you're saying, I, I need healing. Maybe it's in your body, maybe it's your mind or emotions. Maybe the healing that you're thinking about is a healing of relationships. If 
that's you and you can think of a place where you wanna pray for God's healing, even if you've been tired of asking and praying, would you be willing to raise your hand this morning? I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, I just want you to pray. Raise your hand right where you are. And then if you're next to these people, if you would, just with their permission, just come and put a hand on their shoulder. This isn't magic. We don't need some special individual. We just need the body of Christ to minister to one another, amen? We're all agents of healing. Now just let your voices begin to rise. Just pray it out, call on the Lord. Say, Jesus, come and be the healer. When we pray for healing, we're not asking God to be anything other than who he already is. We're not asking him to do something other than what he already delights in doing. He's not the grumpy old man upstairs. He's a loving father who delights in his children. So come on, ask boldly this morning. The healing that you need. At every level, in every place of your life.
Would you get your communion elements ready to receive? I think this is precisely the thing we need to do after a sermon like that. Because the Last Supper, the meal that Jesus gave his disciples that night was not supposed to be an end in itself. <laughs> it was the Last Supper in the old order of things for Jesus with his disciples. <laughs> but you know, the book of Revelation chapter 19 tells about the marriage supper of the Lamb that is coming one day. <laughs> The marriage supper where when there will be no more tears, when there will be no more death and no more sorrow and no more pain and no more alienation. And as we come to receive this meal today, Jesus says to his disciples, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, what does he say? He says, remember. He says, this is the cup that's the new covenant given in my blood for the remission of your sins. As often as you do this, remember. Remember what? Remember that this isn't the last meal, <laughs> that there is that great day that is coming. You know, I wanna have another meal with my grandpa. I wanna have another meal with Eugene Peterson. I wanna have another meal with my, a meal with my grandparents, Grothy, who I never got to meet in this life. And some of you are thinking about all the people that you long for and you miss and you love, and there's that ache in your heart. Today, as we receive communion, we remember that that day is coming in Jesus' name. Can you say amen, church? Come on, that day is coming. And so right now I want you to close your eyes and to imagine that great day of the Lord, that great marriage supper of the Lamb that's coming. Begin to thank Jesus for securing that in his death and resurrection. Jesus, we trust you for the future. Jesus, we believe in you that you have defeated death and you will finally stomp on the, the serpent's head one day in that great day of the Lord. And so we remember you today and we long for you today to come and make all things new. Jesus on the night he was betrayed took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Church, you may receive the bread today. On that same night he took the cup of wine he said, this cup is the new covenant, and it's given in my blood, and it's given for the remission of your sins. Jesus has taken care of all of the old story. He's washed it away. So saints, today receive the forgiveness that Jesus has purchased. You may drink the cup. And now we're about to enter back into worship. We're gonna sing blessing and all honor, glory and all power, all belong to your name. So church, let's worship Jesus Christ right now. Come on.
now, church, would you open your hands to receive the blessing of God? As you go from here, you're being sent, as Pastor Glenn said, with the strength to go be healers in the world. You're sent here with the composure of the Spirit to step into chaotic situations with a peace be still. You're being sent here to go lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You're being sent here to go be the blessing of God in the Pikes Peak region. So I pray today, may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he keep you to him who is able to keep you from falling. <laughs> and to present you faultless before the throne of God with exceeding great joy. To the only wise God, we say praise and glory and honor forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and may he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people and may he grant you peace today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? Another great day in the house of the Lord. Hold tight real quick. Before you race out, a few announcements. The prayer team is coming. We would love to pray with you about any prayer needs you might have. We've got first Wednesday, this coming Wednesday night to celebrate. Yes, to celebrate the album that you can get in the bookstore today. And if you're new, go see us at uh, Connect Central in the lobby. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. Much love.